Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. Today is January the 20th, 2021. And uh, we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church to discuss the Sunday's message with you, our listeners. Well, I'm here. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, Associate Pastor here at Rosa Sharon Baptist. I'm joined with all my good brothers here. Um, Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor. Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and of course our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy, who preached this message that we're going to be talking about this week. Um, and fellas, I'm, I, I, you know, today is Inauguration Day. Uh, it's, 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 um, it's a day where we bring a new leader into, uh, um, into the White House. And it's interesting to me, and we don't plan it out like this, Jeff, it just happened. Uh, but it's interesting to me that we're going to be talking about the subject we're talking about today. As we're talking about being temporary residents, that uh, we are temporary residents. And this, our text came, or rather Jeff's text came from 1 Chronicles 29.15. I'll just go ahead and read that. This says, For we are foreigners and sojourners in your presence, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. And of course, this is um, the context of this <clears throat> is right at the end of David's David's life. It's at the end of First Chronicles, and they've just brought in all the all the materials to build this temple, and they're consecrating um, the the the. He's offering up a prayer, sort of over these uh, materials that have been gathered uh, in preparation for the temple. I think he knows he's probably at the end of his life here, but it's interesting to me that um, that. In this context, he would utter these words, that we are uh, essentially aliens and pilgrims, I think are the words, the terms you use, Jeff, uh, before God, and as were all of our fathers, and that our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. Um, you, you really took that text and applied it to not just an old, not just the Old Testament, Jeff, but really, sort of um, where we are today, and and that uh, in looking at the the Christian Church, um, that we are temporary residents, that um, so often we get caught up in this idea that this world, this is all there is, this is our home, and and that's it, and that's just not true. Um, why do you think it is? Why is it that we get, how is it that we get so focused on this world and trying to make this world our kingdom as opposed to thinking about the world to come? Well, because it's right before our very eyes. You know, it's, it's the present moment. It's uh, the things you see. Faith is always something you don't see. Sure. It's an expectation. Sometimes um, it may seem like so far away or... You know, maybe it's even something unattainable or something we really can't grasp or hold on to. And so so these things seem to be tangible. Like, I've got a temple. I go worship at the temple. It's like, so, it's like you know, we, we do it with the church. Right. You know, we, well, what church do you go to? Your church is located at, you know, 4109 Guest Road. You know, we, we do the same thing. We put our, our emphasis on the tangible and the here and now so much and it's really about us being the temple us mm. being god's people and so i think because this reminder is all throughout the old testament and then i use several passages in the new testament that, that right kept kept honing in that 
you know, we're 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 aliens and strangers, but I think God did this on purpose as kind of a reminder to them. And I think that's why David's prayer, it came up in the prayer because, you know, everything looks permanent now. We got a king, we got a nation, right. capital, now we're going to build a temple. And so now we're set. And I think that's kind of really what God was trying to do is like, no, it's, it's more than that. How interesting, though, that right, you're right. At this point, um, th- things are high in Israel, right? I mean, Israel's unified now. Uh, their enemies aren't attacking them. They're getting ready to set up this temple. They've got this capital. And yeah, it, you, you think that in, in the midst of all this, David's going to be celebrating the permanence of things, right? Mm-hmm. Especially considering that God has given him this promise that as long as you do these things, you'll never cease to have a man on, th- you know, a, 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 someone on the throne, right? He gives him that promise. And so you would think that in that moment, he's celebrating that. But instead, he, he says this, that, you know, we're, we're temporary residents in, in, in God's eyes. We're, we're pilgrims. We're sojourners, um, which is really odd. I mean, like that, that was Israel back in the day, right? That was Israel who wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. That was, that was nomadic Israel. Now he's made them central Israel, but he's given them a centralized government and all. And, and now he says, no, we're still foreigners. We're still, we're still sojourners. Do you think it's because Jeremiah maybe was at the end of, uh, of life? Does that, did that did that give him this this perspective? Yeah, I think uh, so. David never gets to see this temple that's going to be built. So I think he's trying to trying to let the people know who will see it that even though we're building a temple, it's all by the grace of God. It's all been given to us by God. In fact, one of my favorite things in the text is in verse fourteen, where David says. Uh, we're giving you everything that you gave us. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like we're doing anything special for you. You gave it to us. We're giving it back uh, to you. Um, and so, and then he, of course, he does pray for his son, which is the next king, uh, a little bit later. So there's kind of a progression in his prayer where he's uh, focused on, uh, not necessarily focused on the here and now, but like you said, because he he may be leaving. But I think he does want to get the people to kind of have the same perspective of, as him. Like, this this world right here is not permanent. Um, you're all going to be in my position eventually. You're going to be about or near death. So focus on the, the, the eternal. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's funny, though, Blake. They're not going to do that. Because when we know, we know our history lesson, and we know that, um, you know, we just went through all the minor prophets— and we see the, the the importance that these people place upon a building a temple, and 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 how important this temple is to them. Um, you know how easy is it to lose that focus? Then here here's a guy here's your here's your number one leader. Like the, you know most 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 scholars will say that David is, if not the best the best king that Israel had. He's at least the he sets the standard for kings to come. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's sort of is going to be measured up to David. And uh, here your standard is telling you this at a key moment, and you forget it. You, know, you, make, you make the temple permanent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, throughout Israel, you kind of see the seesaw effect, to be honest, because they're, they're doing really well with the Lord one minute and the other moment. They're just, they are so far from the Lord, it's not even funny. But, yeah, they do forget. They do forget, and even with the temples, not just Solomon's temple ended up being destroyed, but Zerubbabel's temple was destroyed. Uh, even Herod's was destroyed a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, 
you kind of see this focus of uh, God trying to redirect their hearts back to him. And even in the <laughs> Old Testament, you see that he doesn't want your sacrifice, the physical things. He wants your heart. And even King David here prays and like verse 17, he's like, I know, my God, that you test the heart and that you are pleased with what is right. And the last part of that prayer is really focusing on the heart, too. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You're right. Like, the the temple keeps falling down, right? And we just keep building it back. Yeah. Like, like God says, no, no, no. I don't want you to I don't want you to focus on a building. And you're like, and, you know, here, look, focus on me. And he removes that building out of, out of the way. And they're like, okay, so you want us to put a building here, right, God? No, no, no. I don't want you to focus on the building. I want you to focus on me. And even today, man, even in the church, like you said, Jeff, it's... It's still much the same. I mean, God, God says, no, no, no. I don't want you to focus on the building. Focus on me. Focus on things that are going to last. Because, you know, we don't like to think about it. But, you know, even this building we're sitting in right now, I mean, this is not permanent. And, and it, it, it could, I mean, we see here in Durham, man, how many churches in our association have shut the doors, right? They thought that they were going to be permanent. Churches that were mega churches, like big time churches that were like the church took up a whole city block mm-hmm. and there's not a church meeting there now, you know. So when you put your hope, man, in, in, in buildings and in facilities and even in people, um, temporary things, then, um, you know, you, you've got, I think you've got your hope in the wrong place, right? Yeah. And that's kind of like, you know, what was kind of going on on with me and my spirit thinking about this that you know with everything going on all the chaos and everything that we thought was permanent has been reshifted during this pandemic and during the riots oh, and during yeah. the political upheaval and during you know the storming of the capital and everything that you see you know even you know whether or not you believe the vote was secure or not i mean everything that we think's permanent and sure and steady is not mm-hmm. and so when i started thinking about that i started thinking about the bible and the first person i thought about was abraham you know god sent him away and and throughout the whole time abraham was he always lived in tents there was never anything permanent yeah and so that that mindset then kept coming over into the old testament especially after after the law was given and they were reminded over and over and over to take care of the stranger take care of the refugee because that's what you are mm-hmm. and then in the New Testament, I knew there were passages there. And I was trying to figure out where did where did this where would be like a place to find it where it kind of really yeah. drives it home, and, mm-hmm. and that brought me to this passage here. Yeah, yeah. That um, you know that that it helps us put our perspective where it needs to be. Yeah, because you know you had King David, but those people also had had King Ahab. Right. Okay. Right. And um, they had Solomon, but they also had. Yeah, the worst kings. Sure. They sure. only had like, what, Josiah and Hezekiah and maybe Asa. It was like three or four yeah. that were actually really good. Yeah. So so really it's like, okay, it helps, helps bring it back to God and his purposes and his plans for everyone. And it wasn't just to have a temple where people went to, but for God, God can't be contained. And even David says that. I mean, I think Solomon says that, that God can't be contained in a building. Yeah. And Jesus, of course, makes it very clear that God's a spirit, and mm-hmm. we worship Him in spirit and truth, and we, we worship Him right now in this room where we're at, or in my car, or, you know, on the other side of the world. Yeah, that's right. So God's always been pushing pushing people to look at the eternal, not just focus on the temporary and the 
tangible. Right, and and so then it's it's it really is of interest to me um, because I, I think where this you know what we try to do here in this in, in in this podcast is we look at that we look at the message and go okay well how does that what does that have to say to me right where I'm at right now and here we are on inauguration day you know and and um, our country is so divided along these political lines and political allegiances and um, I mean you made a you you made many points on 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 this and I I liked a lot of what you had to say I'll just be honest because I think I see, I go on social media, Jeremiah, I know you do too. Um, I try not to stay there too long because it just gets, it's so negative. It's so divisive. Um, but I go on social media and I see people make statements that are akin to um, all Republicans are Christians and all Democrats are the great Satan. I mean, you know, it's like, um, and, you know, that's just simply not true. Um, and how, how do we get to this point? How do we get to the point where we're, we're so divided? that? And how do we keep further question here? And, then, and let's talk about this on the table. How do we keep the church from splitting off into factions because of political allegiances? Because I think that's a real, I think that's a real possibility, um, especially as the country becomes more and more divided my biggest concern uh, is not from persecution from without. My biggest concern is from division from within, because I think that can destroy the church. Your thoughts, Jeremiah? Uh, yeah, I mean that's a tough one. Um, trying to think of something practical I could say that we could do, but um, my best answer would probably just be that that we focus less on the news and more on God's word and what do I mean by that just um, I think we're really uh, good about staying up to date with what uh, our particular news channel that we that we listen to says or even social media if you don't watch the news on TV or so social media we're, we're really good about getting our news Wherever we get it from, for me, it's definitely social media. I don't watch the new news, like news channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really good about staying up to date with that, but not so good about interpreting those things in li- or or yeah, inter- interpreting those things in light of the scriptures. Yeah, because what I see instead is I see a lot of people who will who will just quote a scripture out of context and throw that at a at a, at a news event. Yeah, um, and and that's I don't think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, so what they would do, what we do right now is we we interpret the Bible in light of the news, the mm. op- the opposite. So we look at the news and then and then use the Bible to prove our news that oh. we already believe. Okay, confirmation bias or whatever, whatever you want to call it. So I think the best uh, way to move forward is us as a church and us as individuals is to begin to interpret the news based on what God's word says. Okay. So give me give me uh, speak to that just a little bit more. I think what you're saying is really important by the way. Um explain explain the the difference one more time cuz I think that that can be confusing to some people. Yeah, so rather than uh looking at the news, hearing something in the news and then saying, "Oh, I know a proof text that can prove the news cor- or that can uh uh 
I'll go to the Bible to to prove my bias that I already have that I've got from the news. And so we take the Bible out of context to help prove what we've said in the in the news. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to say it backwards, but what we should do is when we hear the news, go to the scriptures and see if the news is correct. Okay. Right. So so the scripture should be the the lens uh, to to use that um, analogy. Right. So. Rather than, than having the news as our lens to read the Bible, have the Bible as our lens to read the news. I got you. I got you. So yeah. that the Bible is then what helps us focus on the news and what helps us get the right and correct news and perspective of the news. That's, that, that's really good. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, but I think uh, just a practical way also, I really like what you said, by the way, Jeremiah. It was wonderful. Um, I think one thing that the church the church really should do is befriend people of the opposite political party and become what yeah no you can't do that Blake. <laughs> well and, you know just to be honest at southeastern you know i'm listen personally i'm about as far right as it comes but i've got a lot of friends who are central left and to say the least we don't see eye to eye on everything but mm-hmm. it's actually We've actually almost used that, and that's almost like pushed our friendship greater. Together. Wait, you're saying that there are students at Southeastern that are leftists? Absolutely. What? <laughs> Absolutely. No, they can't be, because then that's a Christian institution, right? Yeah. Well, here's here's the bottom line: unity, unity with your brother and sister in Christ isn't an option. Yeah. You know, it's not an option according to Scripture. You need to be united with your brothers and sisters in. Christ and to be honest it's really fun to get to hear other people's opinions and to pick their brains and to just to joke around too a lot of times and to make it like that but I know a lot of good personal friendships I have that you know have started cause of good conversations like that and I would do anything in the world for these people yeah I really and I, would and I, I think I think that's key I, like one of the things that I in my few short years in my life that I look back and I think that, man, we've lost is the ability to dialogue. Mm. We lost the ability to disagree with one another. Yeah, we're so focused on like monologues. We are yeah. focused on monologues. Well, I think social media allows us yeah. to monologue a lot, and yeah. so I think it's part of it. But I, but I think also we just lost the ability to disagree with one another in a friendly way. Oh, for real. Um, it's one of the things I enjoy about our, the four of us and our relationship with each other is we don't, <laughs> listeners, uh, we don't always see eye to eye on some things. Um, we, we, we definitely disagree on, on, on certain issues. But at the end of the day, these are, these are my brothers, and, and we love each other, and we listen to each other, and that's what's so important. But Jeff, I, you've lived longer than anybody else at this table. You've seen, you've seen sort of this this descent into 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 division and political division um you know how did this how did this happen and how did how did the church get involved because i think that's really important to to the discussion that we're having here well that that is a very big uh topic there so let me think about it for a second i mean the short answer in my life lifespan was like during the uh, 70s and 80s is when uh, Falwell created this moral majority. And what he, is that? When, when you talk about moral majority, what, what, what do you mean? Uh, well, Jerry Falwell 
<clears throat> kind of got a coalition together with other Christians and people that were politically minded and um, joined together like Catholics and Mormons and others. And it was primarily around the issue of um, abortion and, you know, being against abortion. And then, um, but then they throw in moral issues, you know, mm-hmm. because that was the beginning of a lot of the gay rights and a lot of things that were going on. You know, it wasn't full-blown like it is today, but right. the, the beginnings of it was happening. Sure. And um, the Democrat Party was becoming more left, and so the Republican Party was always right physically. I mean, I was a Republican before I was a Christian because I, I was pro-life, mm-hmm. and I believed in, you know, physical conservative policies. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one other thing I can't remember yet. But anyway... So, so, or in, in the, the, I believed in and less know, government regulation. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. That kind of, kind of more libertarian leaning kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so that meld all of that together, and so there was a big push, and Ronald Reagan got elected, and that was the kind of the influx of the Republicans becoming more Christian, uh, you know, evangelical white, and then, unfortunately, in the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King actually was a Republican, and most of the Republicans were the ones that were actually for the civil rights. Mm-hmm. It was the Democrats that opposed it, and the Dixiecrats and people like that. But somehow or another, somewhere, a switch was flipped that made um, particularly African Americans believe that the Republicans were against them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so from that point, a lot of the black churches and more, more white liberal churches um, use those platforms then be, to become more social, and uh, and they they teamed up too. So a black so congregation may not may not have church. been really for gay rights or may not really be for abortion, mm-hmm. but politically they align to get to get uh, things they think they need for their community. Mm-hmm. So same way with us, we wouldn't align with Mormons and Catholics. Theologically, but, but they, they created this coalition. So that's kind of a short history lesson from my perspective of, of how how we got to where we are today. Right. And it's just grown. And you know, it's interesting hearing Blake talk about friends and talking, and because I've got friends and you know, college friends and all, and that were on all all spectrums of the political. But they're they're my friends and all, and so we may disagree and all, but they're still my friend or my brother. Or, yeah. Whatever, but but yeah, in today's society, though, it seems like more people want to yell and scream instead of sitting down, having the conversations, and say, "Hey, what can we agree on for the good of everybody?" Mm-hmm. And set some of these things aside. So until we get to that point, you know, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Again, I I really think um, I know I said this a minute ago. I really think it's true. I think the social media played a part in all that because. What it yeah, did, for, for the hyperness of it today. Because what it did was... Put a megaphone in everybody's hand. It was not only that, but social media is such that if you've got some sort of niche belief, you can find somebody else that has that shares that belief. And it's so much easier to, to, to have those little coalitions of, of ideas and ideology. You can, And so then all of a sudden it becomes our camp of this small group over here or a large group uh, our camp versus that camp. And there's very much an us-them mentality. My fear, though, is that 
us them mentality where we see it in whether I mean we we fought that anyway in churches but the last thing we need is for the us them mentality that's out in the political world to worm its way and infiltrate its way into the church now I know you say already has in some ways well for for, for some people uh, you know it's kind of interesting I got you know you get feedback on sermons and I got a couple uh, you know some feedback one person that I know this would be more politically attuned to being more Republican mm-hmm. thought you know I did a great job and you know spoke the truth and you know right right on the button and all that stuff mm-hmm. and then I also had someone in our church that is is you know a Democrat and you know doesn't agree with all the policies the Democrats do but again your sermon was right where it was supposed to be and you know hit the <laughs> nail on the head and it was so uplifting and you know, meant a lot for unity and stuff like that. So, so I think by learning that is that if you let God's word speak, don't try like Jeremiah was saying, read into the word to make it say what you want it to say, and let let it speak. Then it's going to speak. Mm-hmm. Now, how they interpret it and apply it in their heart is different. Yeah. So I can't judge people's hearts and minds and all, but I know that it's a struggle for me. I mean, I've had to struggle to get to the point where I've got to take my mind off a lot of the temporary tangible things and say okay for the sake of you know, for the sake of people's souls how do we get to the point where we can start reaching people for Christ That's again good. forget about all the political stuff and right so Jeremiah I, I need to be a citizen of the US because I, I live here and I uh, you know this is where I make my home I, I'm raising my kids here um, all that but at the same time, We've just talked about the fact that my, my true citizenship is in the kingdom of God. How do I walk that tightrope? Is it a tightrope? Do I just eschew everything that has to do with my citizenship here in the U.S. and be like, well, I'm not a citizen of the U.S. I'm just a citizen of God's kingdom. Or do I, or do I try to integrate those two things together? And if so, like, how do I do that? How do I, how do I keep one thing from not pushing me over the edge to the other? Does that make sense? Yeah, so I think maybe the best perspective to have is that while we we are fortunate to be American citizens, it didn't have to be that way. Um, You didn't have to be born here, and by the way, you didn't choose that, Um, or you didn't your your parents didn't move over here if if you weren't born here, but you still uh, attained citizenship else in other ways. Um, But I think the best perspective to have is 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 that really like I'm an American not necessarily by choice um, although it's a great place to be a a citizen but you could be a citizen of any other country Um, and and there are citizens of any other country that by the way will be uh, citizens of the kingdom or Mm. are citizens of the kingdom sure Um, so I think I don't want to say that being an American is a negative thing. That's a positive thing. What we're trying to say is this other kingdom that's less tangible that we try to build up. Like this other earthly kingdom. Not just America, but like our our own kingdom, our own family, and whoever we let into our kingdom. That's what we try to build up. And unfortunately, in America, it feels like there's America... But then there's these two separate kingdoms that everyone's trying to build up. One is the conservative kingdom, and one is the the liberal kingdom, um, sort of. But uh, yeah, so d- 
to bring it back to our text, like we we're citizens of earth, sure, and I think we should follow all of the earthly rules, especially ones that correspond to the scriptures, but we also have other rules, other jobs, a different king, uh, all those things that make us a citizen of a different kingdom. And uh, I love what you said about uh, David earlier. You said he's the greatest leader, and I'm thinking in the Old Testament, if I had to pick a human who was the best leader, it would be between him or Abraham, and I think David beats him, to be honest. But look what he says in verse 14 about himself. Mm -hmm. He's like, who am I? And what is this people? Like, we we exist only because of God's grace. God has given us everything. God gave us this kingdom. And when you, when you talk about being strangers and sojourners, they're literally strangers and sojourners in the land that they are about to build a temple on. Mm-hmm. They, they possess that not because of how great they are, but because God gave it to them. And they became strangers and sojourners. So just living with that... that eternal perspective and that perspective that's greater than America, uh, greater than, uh, you know, conservative, liberal, uh, just greater than our political system and saying, I'm a, I'm a citizen of earth and I've got one job and that's to tell others about Jesus. Yeah. And to your point, I'm back up even further into David's prayer. <clears throat> and I love this. And like verse 11, he says, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. I mean, here's a king saying, I'm not king, you're king, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not king, you're king. And he even goes on, he says, uh, he says, yours, Lord, is the kingdom you are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you and you are the ruler of everything. I mean, so it's... uh, (laughs) Here's David. But David, we just talked about this. David Blake was a great king. I mean, he he's a good king that looks over his what what God has given him to rule over, right? And, and, and to shepherd over. Um, David, I, I think it's no coincidence that David is a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, and that God pulls a shepherd out to be this great leader. Yeah. Because he's gonna learn to shepherd the flock and he's gonna set the example up by that. But here he is acknowledging a higher king, but he's still being king. So I think David maybe gives us a, a, a picture of how to do what, we, what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, absolutely, because, I mean, you see that the focus is not on, I mean, he could have easily made the focus on his kingship, and you see that in, even in the scriptures when he did make it about his kingship, he fell, and he fell hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time that he attributed everything to the Lord, you saw good spiritual, you know, a great spiritual shepherding from him. And it kind of shows us that, you know, we're going to be spiritually blessed whenever we're in sync with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean material blessings per se, but being spiritually blessed, seeing that kingdom advance. I'm telling you, you know, we just had a kid in our kids ministry get saved Mm -hmm. and there's nothing better. You know, it's what us as pastors live for. You know, it's what we as a church should live for. Mm -hmm. And Seeing that is so much better than seeing the president. We won't get inaugurated or disinaugurated, whatever, you know? Right. Uh, that's not a word, but you get the point. <laughs> and so, but seeing the seeing soul saved and the kingdom advance, and I'm telling you, if your heart's in the right place, you'll be so fulfilled it's not even fun. I mean, right. you'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Jeff, what do you think about that that tightrope that we walk? Can we can we can we be citizens of America and care about the things that are, that that are affecting our nation, care about policies and things like that, and still be still call ourselves citizens of God's kingdom too? How, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, um, I think I talked about uh, a couple examples like uh, Paul gave in Philippians. You know, he was in a very patriotic. That, that church is in a very patriotic city, mm-hmm. and um, and he's telling them, you know, to model their life after him. And he's in a jail, yeah. so he's like, he could have got all those ex-soldiers say, "Hey, get your swords, your spears, break me out of jail." Right. This is this is war. Right. But that's not what they did. And then Peter, the same way, you know, he's telling people the same thing that live your lives so that you don't do any evil and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think I talked about how in the protest over the summer and the protest um, on on uh, January January the sixth, both had people there who were Christians who had Christian paraphernalia. Both groups, okay, both groups. Yeah, feel like they're doing God's will. Yep, for God's man or God's person or whoever. So both groups use Christian paraphernalia. Yeah. So does that bring honor or dishonor? So so does that mean we can't engage? Yes, we should engage. I think we should. We should engage as much as we can. We should, you know, vote for people that are Christians or at least hold to Christian values and things like that. So we, we, we can still do all that stuff. But don't make that your undying focus, that that's all you're concerned about is the political and the power and all that because... You know, power corrupts, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So yeah. so once you kind of get in the bed with the politicians, you know, you get everything they bring to it. Yeah. And so we, as, we just have to be wise. We have to be discerning. And, you know, he does remind them, too, life is short. So we're only here for a short period of time. Yeah. And so what I do in my life and how I live my life and what I try to accomplish... Um, you know, is important in that that brief part because you do want to live a legacy for the people behind you. We don't want to make it harder for Christians coming after us. That's right. To try to win people to Christ. Um, but at the same time, we do need to speak to power. I mean, David was the king, but the prophet said, you are the man. Right. And that's what our role is. Well, our role is to say, you are the man. When, when, when our leaders and all do wrong from a moral perspective were to say hey this is wrong right. we need to stand for right yeah but if we're in bed with one of the other um groups then our message mm. then just gets clouded and it becomes partisan yeah talking points and that's you know that's one of the th- that's one of the sad things i've seen happen over the last eight years um I, I, i'll include both ter- both both former leaders um of our country I've seen so many people on both sides of the aisle who claim to be Christians excuse behavior that's immoral behavior all because that's their guy. And and I, I just, that's not what we're supposed to be about. I like what you said. I mean, when we see immoral behavior, we should call it immoral. When we see things that are, are wrong instead of just championing it, you know, what happened on January 6th was awful. Let's just call it awful. Let's just call it what it is. It was, it was horrible. There, you know, no matter what you believe about what the the 
the ideology that happened behind that, that right? That the, the, the impetus or the motive behind that. Um, what the, the end result was, was not, uh, that's not acceptable. And we shouldn't find ourselves championing that at all. And yet, yet I saw Christians who were basically saying, this is our American revolution. This is, this is, you know, this is God's people rising up. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? That's, that's immoral. This, when did it get to the point? That our political allegiances become the arbiter of what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. That's 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 where I think is that's where I think is the problem. And I think the solution, Jeff, is exactly in your message that you you preached. Um, because I think part of it is just that we aren't citizens of this kingdom. Um, that we cannot allow that to be our main focus. Yes, I am an American citizen. Yes, I have to vote. Yes, I'm going to stand up and for for policies I think are good for this country because I live here. But at the end of the day, um, you know, my my job, my my primary uh, hope cannot be put in who is who is in power politically, as those are all human institutions, right? And human institutions, like you said earlier, if twenty twenty taught us anything, it's this: human institutions will fail us. They just will. They'll fail us, but God doesn't fail us. Mm-hmm. God doesn't fail us at all. So, well, guys, um, I I think that kind of wraps us up here. Uh, We're right around, we're a little bit earlier. I'm finishing up a little bit earlier today, uh, but didn't have as much background with this one, you know, that we we had to get through. Uh, So, um, I I normally give you a preview of things to come, but I don't know. Do you know for certain if you're going to go to June 22 or you? Yeah, gonna... I'll probably go ahead and do that one this week. Okay, so you'll be talking about uh, doubters, right? Am I? Am I? Well, right? make, it's, yeah, it's, it, the the old King James says make a difference, and the other one, the new King James says make a distinction. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about helping people that are dealing with doubt, or maybe they're falling away from the church, or uh, because of the false teachers and all. So it's kind of like. When we do re-engage and we are able to open up again eventually, mm-hmm. um, not everybody's going to be coming back full force. I'm ready. There's going to be a lot of people that maybe have to, has a lot of doubt and things in their hearts. So it's just a, a message to prepare us for yeah. when that day comes. I know you and I have had discussions that that um, during this time, the the pandemic and all the other stuff that's happened, we've seen a, a uptick in 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 mental health. Uh, um, yeah, difficulties and people who are struggling, suicides and and um, overdoses and people turning to other coping mechanisms to just get through and and so certainly I think that um, there's probably been many people who over the course of the last year struggle with doubt or might actually be struggling with doubt. So if that's you, you're struggling with doubt right now. Um, first off, you should know that you're not alone. And second off, uh, we encourage you to tune in on Sunday morning for a message that I think will be encouraging to you. And come back here on Monday for our next Monday Main Point. We'll be discussing all that. All right, fellas, it's been good. And thank you. We want to say thank you to all you who are tuning in and listening. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, send us an email. Uh, shoot us uh, an email. We, we always appreciate good feedback. Um, do you like this? Do you not like this? Did we talk too long? Probably so. But <laughs> all right, well, that's it for this one. We'll see you on the next one. So have a great week and we'll see you next time.